Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. And don't forget, you've got about two weeks to register for the annual What People Want From Work survey. This is a free employee engagement survey. Uh, we'll send you all the instructions on how to send it out to your employees. We'll do all the analysis and provide a free report with all of the quantitative and qualitative responses from your employees. So go check that out. Today's episode features Emer Marnon. Emer is the VP of Culture and ESG at HubSpot. They're a marketing automation and CRM platform. In fact, I learned a lot of my marketing skills from HubSpot. They have a rich library of content and I just appreciate everything that they do. And in this episode, we're talking about their company's post-pandemic transition to a successful hybrid work model. So employees are asking for flexibility and a lot of companies are either moving to a full remote or a hybrid model. And I don't think we could talk about this enough because every company is doing it a little bit different. And Emer explains in this episode how data has motivated them to give their people the flexibility of choosing whether to work from home in the office or a hybrid of the two. So they might have an unconventional approach to the hybrid work model, but in today's challenging business landscape with attracting and retaining people, I think you're going to learn a lot from what Emer has to say about their flexibility at HubSpot. So enjoy today's episode with Emer Marnon. Let me know what you think of the episode. Uh, Five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, a written review would be great. Or feel free to email me or connect with me on LinkedIn. Love hearing from listeners about how you're liking the show. And if you have any suggestions on how we can improve, how I can improve as a host, I am all ears. Enjoy today's episode with Emer Marnon. Emer, it's a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. We're going to talk about your organization, HubSpot, a little bit. You went to a hybrid work model. I'm curious, was it always that way? Was it pandemic-related? Tell me a little bit about that decision to go hybrid. Yeah, great question. Um, it was a little bit of both. And so the reason I say that is HubSpot has always had a portion of its employees that was remote pre-pandemic, but a really small portion. Um, so pre-COVID, about 10% of our workforce worked remotely. And we always use the term that we were remote-ish. So we said we were remote, but I don't think at that time, especially looking back, that remote was truly embedded in our organization. So I think it's it's fake news to say that we have always been hybrid. I think we accommodated remote, but it was really only post-pandemic that we fully transitioned to a hybrid work model and really created like structures and processes and a culture that facilitated hybrid working. And so during the pandemic, as a ton of other companies kind of experienced, we were faced with a question around what will we do post pandemic? And once folk returned to an office, 
um, how should we transition our work model? And because we obviously had a portion of employees that were remote before, it was a little bit easier in terms of our options. But we actually asked our employees and we surveyed them really early on because what we felt during the pandemic is employees felt such a lack of control and they wanted, I guess, a lot more control or as much control as we could give them around what the future held. And the response was overwhelming. They wanted flexibility and they wanted the choice. So they didn't want one way or the other. Like there wasn't an overwhelming, I want to go back to an office. And there definitely wasn't an overwhelming, I want to work from home. The overwhelming feedback that we got was they wanted flexibility and they wanted, uh, like I said, the choice to choose where they wanted to work best. And that's what we did. And here we are now. So you listened to your employees and made decisions based off of, huh, that's weird. Most employers don't do that. <laughs> we listened. We listened to our employees and we led with our data. I know. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, with an organization like you, you have probably tons of engineers and you have to hire talent all across the world, I imagine. Do you have employees across the world? We do. We have employees in um, all three regions. So in JPAC, in EMEA and in the US or in North America. We Our headquarters are based out of uh, Boston in Cambridge, our EMEA HQ then mm-hmm. we have in Dublin. So we have about 1,200 employees in Ireland its totality. And then we also have um, kind of a big proportion of employees in Singapore over in JPAC in Sydney and Australia. But we have, I think it's like 13 offices and then folk in a ton of different locations, especially across the US. I'm curious, post-pandemic, if your leadership, your executive team ever came together, maybe before the survey went out about like, what do you want? If you ever said, let's, I think it's time to bring everybody back, you know, in-house. Did you ever talk about that at least? Yeah, good question. Pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Post-pandemic. Post-pandemic. Yeah, it was a topic of conversation. I will say though that once we made the decision to move towards a hybrid model, like we stuck with that decision genuinely. And I think the reason that we did is again, like we led with data. And so what we did was we gave employees the option to select a work preference. And so just for context, the three work preferences that we offer at HubSpot is at office, at flex, and at remote. And so basically at office is you're in an office three or more days a week. At home is you're working at home or remotely and at flex is you're somewhere in between. And what we saw is like the proportion of people that started to choose at home increased. So every year we give people the option to reselect what they want. And this year, 64% of our workforce are at remote. And so that really drives our decision around why would we pull people back into an office? Like what would that do to A, our talent pool and our distribution of talent, knowing that actually the proportion of employees that are choosing at remote is increasing. And we also, we pulse checked a ton of other data points, like we pulse checked productivity, we pulse checked engagement. You spoke about engineers. We also looked at like engineer changes or code changes understand the difference between those that are at office and those that are at remote um, are working from home and there is no difference and so that really like I said that like of course it's a it's a conversation topic but we always try and bring ourselves back to data and focus on the why and like the so what and again why would we do that when we think it's working I, I know HubSpot very well you are a very data-driven organization it's like swimming with you know marketing business intelligence all that stuff but so I imagine you're doing it internally for your own employees as well so do you look at like the segments of your organization like fully remote versus hybrid versus in office and look at the engagement levels for each of those groups and, and who's higher engagement 
Yeah, it's a great question. And we do, by the way. And that was something that we were really focused on. So we pulse check our employees every quarter via an engagement survey. And so we test a couple of things, but we always test something called our EMPS score. So it's pretty much asked, like, it's kind of a common metric. It's asking people to recommend HubSpot or would you recommend HubSpot to a friend? What we actually found is folks that are working at remote are 14% more engaged than those that are working from an office. Which is, again, like, let's lead with data here. Let's not lead with people's feelings or like random sentiment that you read in the news all the time. That tells us a lot, I think, actually. And that's really important. Like we had to, once we decided to go hybrid, we had to segment our data. Otherwise, how would we know if there was a problem somewhere? How would we make sure that we're equitable in terms of what we're doing? And again, how would we make sure that we're doing the right thing? And so definitely leading with data and checking things like engagement, Checking things like attainment as you think about sales reps, all of that kind of stuff became super important. Okay. So if you've got a 14% higher engagement for the remote workforce, have you figured out why? Or what are they telling you? Um, Yeah, it's a really good question. I think that folks that choose remote in general, I think maybe it's regardless, but I think certainly folks that choose remote, they are doing it because A, they have access to opportunity that they may not have elsewhere. And so what we hear is, so I'm going to take Ireland as an example. So I'm in Dublin where a ton of like work opportunities are kind of focused. Like as you go further outside of Dublin, your ability to get a job in a tech firm, if everything was at office, reduces dramatically. And so all of a sudden, like the economic opportunity available to you, if you're living in like a Cork or a Kerry, which is the West of Ireland, has massively opened up. So that is a huge win and like a huge positive and a huge motivation factor for folk. I think that's one. So I think it's access to opportunity that definitely wasn't there before. I honestly also think it's work-life like integration and the ability to actually flex. So I'm a mom of three. I've got three girls. They're six, four and 20 months. I'm a a flex worker. I know, hilarious. Like, um, yeah, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But um, in general, I go into an office maybe once a month. Like hands down, I would not be able to do have a job. And I talk about this a lot if I had to go into an office all the time. So I am naturally more engaged because of the flexibility that hybrid work has afforded me. And I think that plays a lot into engagement scores. And I think, again, it's the ability to work in the way that works best for you. A lot of folk that we find that go into an office, they are craving connection and that in-person kind of connectivity. And while, of course, that's important for folks that are working remotely, I think they're finding other ways to connect kind of virtually and I definitely think finding those ways and facilitating those ways has also increased their engagement score. So that's my hypothesis, but it's a really good question. We haven't like gone deep into the why, but it's definitely something that we should do. Yeah, I, I would like to definitely hear the, the whys behind it. This is a biggie of a question because you're a VP of culture for HubSpot. That's a big job. And do you have VPs of culture at each location? Or are you VP over all of HubSpot? Yeah, so I'm the global VP of culture at ESG. Okay. So of all people who cares about the culture, you care probably the most that it that it's connected and there's belonging and inclusion and all that. How do you do that when you have a fragmented workforce like this? Uh, it's a good question. I think, honestly, I think we kind of did culture a disservice pre-COVID. Really? Yeah. Like I think especially in the tech industry, um, a lot of the time culture was equated to like ping pong tables and the going out for drinks and like the tangible stuff that people genuinely valued. And I think what people forgot is culture is actually a company's personality and is rooted in your values. 
And it's rooted in the decisions that you make. It's rooted in the words that you use, how your leaders show up, how they treat people. And that does not need four walls to thrive. Like we talk a lot. So our values are heart. So that's the acronym that we use. And we talk a lot about heart. Like our values are in our heart. They're not in our hallways. And I think now that we, we're really forced to lean into that and appreciate that. And I think companies that didn't evolve and that didn't understand that and that didn't, again, make sure that their values were relevant, their values were showing up in terms of how different people acted, how their leaders acted. Like, it's interesting when you say that I care the most about culture. I think actually I'm not doing my job if I care the most about culture. Our leaders, our managers are the people who really need to care the most about culture. And so for me, that's what it was all about. It was making sure that we had the right values, that our values are relevant in a hybrid organization, that if they weren't, we evolved them. And we changed the narrative away from the like physical beer pong situation and back to, again, the heart of an org. How do you reinforce belonging and make sure people are connected and things like that? Like, Are there tactical things that you've done or the leadership's done or managers are instructed to do that make sure people are connected to not only the values, but to each other and like relationships? Yeah, it's actually a great question. And it's, you know, it's funny you bring this one up because connection is, I think, something that we're really trying to solve for and something that our employees told us they're finding the hardest to tap into in a hybrid workforce. So again, like you have to be intentional, I think, around creating hybrid. It doesn't just happen. And so again, as we think about our survey, something that we heard last year loud and clear was that over a third of our organization did not feel connected to folk outside of their teams. Connection within teams was actually fine, but finding kind of connections outside of their teams was definitely an issue. And in particular, I think the definition of connection was something that was important. Like people didn't want to just have random informal coffee chats. They actually wanted like friendships and they wanted to find that sense of belonging. And so we tried a few things, I would say, and a lot of it wasn't intentional. And so just this year, uh, we kind of went all in on connection. And so we developed this new initiative called Connect4. And so Connect4 is all around driving intention or driving connection intentionally. And it's focused on four pillars. So purpose, ease, equity, and sustainability. Purpose is all around, again, connection through purpose. And so having specific connection events where we'll bring people together either in an office setting, either in person remotely, where there's higher proportion of people. So a really good example is like San Diego and Chicago in the US. We have a higher proportion of folk that we've hired there. And so finding ways to bring those folk together. And then also virtually. We also have connection days now. So again, there's no mandate to go back to an office. But if you want to see somebody, Thursday is a really good day to go into an office and do that. So we're calling Thursday a connection day. If you want to connect, go in on Thursday and, and the chances are you're going to see other people on those days. And then leveraging our leadership. So again, how can we encourage our leadership to travel around the world, around different locations, not necessarily where we have an office, by the way. Again, for an example, using like uh, Seattle is a really good example. We don't have an office there, but we held an event knowing that we have a high proportion of HubSpotters there. So that's purpose. The next part is all around connecting with ease. So again, that's just making it easy for people to connect and taking the friction out of connections. So people aren't sitting by themselves behind a computer screen wondering what the hell they can do. And that's through technology, through giving our managers enablement material so they can do that on their own. So it's not just me and my team connecting people together. Connecting equitably is again, like I think, you know, you can argue it's easier to connect when you're in an office. It's easier actually to connect in person when you meet someone. And, you know, we hear that all the time. And so how can we help our remote folk and especially 
the people who aren't in close proximity to an office are other people. Over 50% of our workforce in the US actually are located 100 miles away from an office. And so we have to drive equity in terms of what we're doing. And so how do we solve for that? And then the final piece around connection is sustainability. Like you said at the start, did we ever talk about bringing everyone you know, back to an office and together? Part of my role is also to drive sustainability across HubSpot um, and really focus on ESG and We've committed to being net carbon zero by 2040. And so we have to be really intentional around what we do when we think about flying. And so even if like this would never happen, but even if we decided to bring everybody into an office all the time, like that would require flights, that would require a high proportion of carbon emissions. We're not going to do that. And so how do we make sure again that we're kind of doing what we can in a sustainable fashion to meet our ESG goals? That's well said. I want to pick on your engineering group a little bit because you, you're a software-based company and and I think like productivity in this in this particular group is vital to the success of HubSpot, I'd imagine. So you've got remote, probably fully remote engineers. You've probably got some hybrid engineers and in-person. How do you make sure that the work is equal where people who are in a hybrid or a remote work environment aren't slacking? Versus, you know, like I imagine like a bunch of engineers together inside of a HubSpot headquarters, just hacking away, coding away and, and just getting things done. How do you ensure that there's visibility to the workload and it's distributed in a fair way? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there's probably a couple of things. I think it's really important, actually, what your leadership do. And so, you know, if you think about our engineering and our product leadership, they're not all at office workers. In fact, our head of product is actually a remote worker. And our head of engineering, Whitney, I think is a flex worker and goes into the office like every now and then, but not every single day. I think that's incredibly important. It kind of is leading the way a little bit and it shows people, A, the trust. And it's the same, by the way, across our manager population. So I think like lead by example and make sure that actually your leaders are not always in an office. That shows trust and that shows, again, that you don't have to be in an office to do certain things. I also think, though, like you have to test things. And you have to actually look at your work distribution. You have to look at your performance management process to make sure you're being completely equitable in terms of your work distribution, how you're rating employees, and actually look at that across work preference. And we do that, like we rigorously do that, again, to make sure we're being equitable uh, in that regard. And I think the other thing is like, you know, test for feedback and ask your employees and listen to your employees and take that incredibly seriously. Like it's, you know, soul destroying to be asked and for nothing to be done with that feedback. And so making sure that you're actioning that I think is super important. I think they're the three things. I don't know if that answers your question. I hope it does. Yeah, absolutely. You've talked about equity a little bit. I want to hone in on on that because when you have a, a work environment that's, you know, spread across the world, probably different access to resources, different equipment, different internet speeds, who, who knows, right? How do you make strides towards equity within your group that's international? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think there's a couple of things. Again, as you think about like equity from like a pure technology perspective, we do offer stipends to folk that are not in an office to make sure that actually they can like purchase and get the equipment that they need at home. That's really important, obviously, to make sure that like your base level setup is correct. We're also kind of lean into humor a tiny bit. Like I always laugh, even though I'm in Ireland and we have really good Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi drops all the time. And so also normalizing that and helping people understand that that does not mean that my productivity is dropping. The likelihood is it's like a snippet, one moment of time, you know? And so I think those things happen and they're also okay. It's like normal life. It's the same as your kids jumping in every three seconds. 
Similarly, if you're in an office, you might have amazing Wi-Fi, but you also might be meeting people and going for coffee all the time. And like that does not define your productivity. So I think just normalizing that is super important. And again, I think offering the office for folk that need to go into an office, you know, you're not saying just because you're a flex employee or a remote employee, you can never go into an office. Of course you can, if you really need to, or if there's a specific like, you know, life event or, you know, a a situation where you're moving house or you're getting construction done, or you don't have access to internet or Wi-Fi or whatever that is, you know, you always have the option to come into an office if you need to. As a VP of culture, what are the key metrics that you're looking at in terms of like the success of the culture? We, you know, we already talked about engagement. I'm sure you, you look at other things. What's on your scorecard? I was actually talking about that today. It's really hard, you know, that. And I don't actually think we've nailed it because like hybrid is actually like, it's so new. And I actually feel like this year is the first year that we can be intentional around design. Like, I feel like it's the first year that we're not fighting fires. The last year we have been, like yeah. the last few years has been wild in terms of, COVID, mm-hmm. going back to an office, like everything was just rush, rush, rush. And so I am designing my scorecard right now. But I think the things that I'm really trying to focus on is definitely engagement, is looking at things like attrition by work preference and understanding the why. Like often it's the qualitative data that you get through exit interviews to understand if there's any correlation or trends that you're getting. Also things around like when we think about connection in particular, like actual network connectivity. We're starting, our people analytics team are starting to do some really cool things to understand how people get more or less connected after like a connection event or a connection day, what's driving kind of connectivity. And then also like testing cultural health, which again, I would say is kind of new, not many organizations do, but like asking people, are our values showing up in the way we make decisions? Like, do you experience as an example, empathy, in terms of like in you know from your manager or those kind of questions and so we ask those once a year and i think that's something that we'll start to get a little bit more sophisticated about but certainly cultural health and also that will tell us again are our values stagnant like are they the right things do we need to evolve a little bit again as hubspot scales and grow so uh, there's certainly things that are top of mind what challenges have you worked through when it comes to the hybrid yeah uh, great question. I mean, loads. I think honestly, the biggest challenge was <laughs> the biggest challenge is like, A, no one is doing this amazingly well. No, no, nobody is. It's actually so much easier to be a follower. <laughs> and there's, you're not, you can't follow anyone. So you're trying to, you know, figure this stuff out. You're trying to do justice for your employees. And that's really hard, actually. Like, it's a big responsibility. We're trying to get it right. Like, we care deeply about our employees. I think testing your own bias and testing everyone else's bias and ignoring the noise that we're seeing in the press and in the paper and what other companies are doing and helping bring the narrative back to the why, like, why this is important. So, again, leading with data, but also the stories. Like, we had, we have a company meeting every quarter. And yesterday in our company meeting for Q2, we had an excerpt at the end called Humans of HubSpot. And so we featured three people and just spoke to them about like who they were, what's bringing them joy. And all of them spoke about the flexibility and the the access that they have because of their ability to choose what works best for them. There was a mom of two boys. And again, she spoke about how she could be a better mother because she could be present. And like, that's important. That's the why. And so I think on those days, you're like, oh, my God, we're getting so much, you know, there's feedback. I don't know if this is working, what's happening. It's just bringing things back to the why I think is important. I think the other mistakes that we've made is like appreciating that this takes intention. It's 
so new for our managers in particular and our frontline managers. And you cannot just expect people to like manage a hybrid team overnight without actually helping them. And I think we are still on that journey, by the way. I don't think we've done a great job there. Like that's something that we're focusing on this year and next year. But like you have to help managers. You have to train them again and retrain them how to manage globally distributed teams and hybrid teams. Like how do you performance manage someone when you're in an office versus when you're remote is really hard. You have to over-index on psych safety. Like inclusion and belonging becomes even more important. You know, reading body language is incredibly important. Like the power of follow-on. If you had to have a difficult conversation with someone and they're by themselves in a room, chances are they're talking to themselves in their own head after that meeting. And so you have to be much more intentional there than you do if you're seeing someone in an office. So we definitely made that mistake. I think we didn't spend enough time with our managers. And so, uh, yeah, that's something that we're really focusing on, uh, like I said, this year and next. When you do the pulse service, do you ever ask about stress levels, burnout, anything like that? Yeah, we do. And we did actually. So the first time we actually tested burnout was during COVID. Like we were in the pandemic. I was burnt out. I had kids hung off me. I'd started a new job. I didn't know what was happening. It's funny that you say this because next week we are going, HubSpot has something called its global week of rest. And so HubSpot closes for the week, my favorite week of the year. And that was as a result of an initiative we brought in after that initial test where we found such a high proportion of our employees was burnt out. So we introduced something at that time called the five oars. Part of it was like focused, relax and recharge time. So our week of rest. We also introduced something else that I love, no internal meetings on Fridays. So free as much as you can be, which is your deep work time. As well as, again, getting to the core of burnout. So equipping managers, thinking through psych safety, having making sure that you can have those conversations. And so then we retested burnout last year and the percentage of burnout dropped by 50%. And so we still have a portion of burnout, which again, we're working through. You know, ideally that should be at a very, very low baseline, but it definitely shows us that what we're doing is successful and moving in the right direction, which is awesome. Looking ahead, how do you see this evolving, the the work environment? Yeah, I really want people to stop talking about the fact that hybrid is not working. That is how I want it to evolve. It's working. It's working. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business. Like, it is working. I see hybrid becoming the source of freedom for so many people. I see it becoming the way that you can attract diverse talent and tap into talent pools that you never, ever would have been able to do before, that you are giving like parents the ability to work in jobs that they wouldn't have been able to before. I think that companies are going to bring folks back into an office and I think they're going to bleed talent and I think they will, I'm hoping, change tact on that that's what I'd love to see. And that's where I hope I see things going. But again, it it takes time. You know, I hope we can speak this time next year and we'll be talking about more mistakes, but how we have progressed even further and have kind of done even cooler things to really embed hybrid uh, into our organization. Well, you need to come back and we'll have another conversation a year from now. And I'm sure your scorecard will be built out. You'll have all sorts of new metrics that you're looking at. And I'm sure your workplace will evolve. Like that's what great companies do. They adapt to the changing times and they keep evolving. So it sounds like you're well on your way. Yeah, totally. And I think you're right. Like it is an evolution, you know, like even thinking about mistakes. I think it was a mistake thinking that anyone was going to nail this within a week or two. Like this takes time, right? 
just like it takes time to get your culture right. Like it takes time to evolve. This is a total evolution. And so I think like my piece of advice for everyone is just be kind to yourself and give yourself that space and time because it has to be like, it's a journey. And so give again, your teens, your space time to go on that journey, test, iterate, try new things, ask for feedback, action on the feedback and lead with data. Don't lead with opinions because often opinions are wrong. Emer, thanks for coming on the podcast. Where can people learn more about you, connect with you if, you, if you're cool with that? Uh, anything else you want to share? Yeah, awesome question. So my LinkedIn page is uh, a wealth of knowledge um, as we think about hybrid and culture. Also our HubSpot blog. So if you go onto HubSpot.com, we have great information around a hybrid or hybrid model. Also our five ORs initiative that I spoke about and different things that we're doing and around Connect4. So that's also a brilliant place to go. Emer, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.